0: All right, y'all, welcome to a special edition of the Minimalist Podcast. This is just for our Patreon supporters. Thank you so much for being a patron, for supporting what we're doing, and helping us build this podcast studio and film studio. We really look forward to doing a lot more video stuff, and not in a janky little setup like this either. (laughs) We just Uh, need
1: like a uh, like a couple ferns, (laughs) like a nice tree right here,
0: and Zach Galifianakis will be good to go. Yes, yes.
1: No, guys, thank you so much for supporting us. Josh and I cannot say it enough. It is our pleasure to uh, record this special episode for you. I'm I'm looking
0: forward to these live questions we're gonna get. Yes, indeed, and and so we reached out to all the Patreon supporters. We have a bunch of Patreon only questions. Now, obviously, I mean we had dozens if not i mean we'll get to a point where we've had over 100 questions and we're not going to be able to answer all of the questions we we took uh, an assortment of many other of questions i know some of you will have questions on this live episode as well um sean will read those out to us we're not going to be able to see the screen and what what exactly is going on in terms of questions and that's okay we've got a bunch of questions here you can keep asking them you can keep tuning in we want to be able to do more of this by the way uh, in the future so right now we're, we're scheduled to do this quarterly but we'd love to do it monthly once once we get to our our uh, objective of 2,000 patrons to, to build the studio, and then do a lot more exclusive stuff, all of these exclusive creations just for Patreon. We're going to test some stuff out while we're out on the road, upload some things, maybe even some essays that are Patreon exclusive, just to say thanks to everyone who is supporting us. Yeah. By the way, I should say, my name is Joshua Fields-Milburn. And I am Ryan Nicodemus, and together we are the Minimalists. And we have some questions. We'll start with Mary's question, Ryan. M- Mary says... Hi, I know you guys gave up well-paying jobs to pursue a simpler life, right? and that's that. that I'll, I'll I'll keep reading her question. That's sort of true, uh, but wasn't true initially, right? Like we both worked in the corporate world and simplified our lives. We didn't just walk away from the corporate world. Yeah, we did both of those things, just not necessarily in that order that right. she presents. It exactly. Has. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and th- that's the interesting thing about even when you write a book like Everything That Remains, and it's a a narrative of our lives, that five-year period from being those suit-and-tie corporate guys to becoming the minimalists, mm-hmm. you, all of those things in that book actually happen. But to make it sequential, sometimes you say, well, this thing happened, and then this thing happened, and then this thing happened, and then this thing happened. Because that's how the human mind processes things. They process right. stories in a linear fashion. But the truth of the matter is, many of our lives, especially when we get in this chaotic, chaotic state, it's a whirlwind of all these changes going on at once. Right. All the good and all the bad. It's like, it's, sometimes it's like a shit soup. And, and. <laughs> yum? Th- there's a, no, not yum. Oh. There's a bunch of different types of shit in the soup. And, um. <laughs> <coughs> I have no idea where this analogy is going. <laughs> well, my, my point is that, that, um, yeah, we we did walk away from the corporate career, but we simplified our life way way before all of that. And so, so what Mary's asking is, uh, do you for do you for a moment ever feel insecure about not having enough cash flow? I know I have enough emergency money saved up. Uh, to last a year, which is pretty amazing. That's awesome. I mean, most most people in this country live paycheck to paycheck. Most families, if they went without two paychecks, they they would be in an emergency situation themselves. Yeah. And uh, we have fourteen trillion dollars. It used to be twelve trillion a few years ago when I pulled that stat. It's now fourteen trillion dollars in consumer debt. Wow. That's credit card debt, uh, student loan debt, consumer debt, uh, all, all of the the debts, mortgage debt. And so we have fourteen trillion dollars worth of of those debts, and Unbelievable. and good for you, Mary, for not having having any debt. She said, "I don't have any debt right now," uh, but here's the next line: <laughs> other than a business loan. Oh, uh, yeah, you know, I used to, I used to, uh, kid, I used to trick myself as well. I don't have any debt except <laughs> all of my debts. <laughs> <laughs> mary you do have debt if you have a business loan um we're not so- saying
1: you know i mean there i want to be clear there's no such thing as good debt like right. i will stand by that um because that is true 99.9 percent of the time right um in fact just to i'm just going to go on an aside the only time i've ever seen where debt was a good thing uh-huh. is when someone like mark zuckerberg instead of you know putting five million dollars cash down on a house right we'll take that five million bucks and invest it and then take out a loan at one percent and invest into the stock market and get a six percent year over year you know minimum return on his investment that makes sense but it usually works for really really people? really wealthy people yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah
0: but but i mean so are but, you rich enough to have debt is but, the question right exactly
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's that's pretty funny right there but no what i was going to say is but that can be used as a tool right like sure. it's no one likes to have debt i don't like having debt i don't mean i don't have any debt right now um but you know someone who has a business loan maybe you know does she need that loan or not i don't know we we would need more information but i'm going to assume she does she sounds like a really responsible person and it's something not that she absolutely needs it but it's something she decided to use as a tool right so um i just don't want to i don't want to bash uh what, mary yeah
0: i'm not i'm yeah. not bashing her either i'm i'm just saying whoever's listening to this don't trick yourself by saying i don't have any de- debt except just say I have debt, right? A- yeah. A- just be honest with yourself. That's yeah. yeah. I have less debt than I used to have, which mm. is great, and I applaud you for that. I think I think it's outstanding, Mary. But you do have some debt, and and so your next your next line here says this feeling of not enough makes it difficult for me to want to cut back on work and lead a simpler life. But at the same time, I d- I do not like this stress I have on myself. Ooh, that that. So mm. so, and then the final line here is. I guess my question is, how do you know when you have enough? So a few few comments there. First off, enough, we often get confused about this term enough. We think it has to do with possessions Mm -hmm. or money, and those are valid questions. How do you know you have enough possessions? How do you know you have enough money? But we also need to think about enough in a broader perspective not the narrow enough money side of things that can be important for sure right. how do you know you have enough well let me just say that this you are enough already you're already enough 100 percent. and then the question is how do i ha- ha- know i have enough money to do what with your life right if you wanted to buy that five million dollar mark zuckerberg house my guess is the five million dollars probably down payment on a zuckerberg probably. house right um <laughs> Anyway, if you have if, then you need enough money to do that and, and without going into debt. So how do you know you have enough money? Well, so you don't have to go in, into debt, and you can fulfill your basic needs. And I look at, at, at the things that we accumulate in our life, whether it's experiences, consumables, or physical goods. They tend to go in three, three categories. You could call it need, want, like, or may, you might call it essential, non-essential, and junk. Right, the, those three categories. There are things that you absolutely need. You won't live without water, shelter, uh, food, clothes on your back. These are things that we can't live with without in our in our society. Right. right. Although I was walking down the street, I was driving in Saint Petersburg recently, where our coffee shop is, and I saw this grown sixty year old man crossing First Avenue, buck naked. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> just the most naked you can that be. That sounds
1: about like the neighborhood that uh, our coffee shop is, it is. in. It's <laughs> right
0: down the street from the coffee. And it, I did a triple take. I'm like, there is, is there a 60-year-old man with a gigantic penis <laughs> 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 who was just crossing First Avenue buck naked? I mean, I get it, sir. You're trying the show off. Um, That's pretty funny. (laughs) But anyway, uh, most of us need clothes is my point. Yes. But then there are other things that are non-essentials in the sense that we don't need them to live, but they add true value to our lives. And then there's the other 90%, which is junk. The things we pretend we need, but we don't actually need. Right. And you don't need enough money to buy all the junk. You need enough money for the essentials and the non-essentials that actually add value to your life. And everything else is junk. And I'll just make one other quick point here and she said i don't like the stress i have i've put on myself yeah realize that many of the stresses that we deal with we th- picked up the boulder man mm. yes and, yeah. and 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 it's up to us to put that down the stress we feel isn't external. It's not everyone else's expectations. It's our own internal expectations of what we think other people's expectations are going to be. Yeah. And we're often buying stuff we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't know. Right. And, and we have to be willing to let like go of that stress we put on ourselves. Because that stress that you feel, that pressure that you feel, 99% of it is internal. Yeah. Man,
1: Mary, I, I, I would say write down all your stresses... Mm. and ask yourself like how long do you want to have those stresses or how long do you have to have those stresses that's so good she's got a business she's got a business loan so she's got to pay this off yeah she can't just walk away from what she's doing so the question is is what is enough for her and I do agree like writing down that list of you know what is essential what's non-essential what's junk um, I think I think that's a good place to start but at the end of the day you know if you're trying to save up the perfect amount of money, there, there's never going to be a perfect amount of money. Mm. I mean, for me, enough is, well, I, I spend less than what I make. Like yeah. that is an equation that I have like stuck to for the last several years. Right. I, I go out of my way to spend less than what I make and I'll save as much as I can. I'll contribute as much as I can. And uh, it, it's it's something that, minimalism has helped me come to so you know she says she wants to walk away and live a simpler life you don't have to walk away from your job to live a simpler life right she can start doing that now and
0: we didn't do that initially we led simpler lives in the corporate world
1: right yeah
0: I mean to
1: me Mary it's you've got to you've got to be able to come up with your own equation of what it not what is enough as much as uh, what makes you feel secure for me I've got six months of bills saved up mm-hmm um, do I stress about what we're going to do in five years? Uh, not really mm-hmm. because we've got so much on our plate right now. It's like I just, I just, you know, am staying on this path that we've gone down and continuing to commit to that.
0: Now, for you, six now, months, does that mean that you – because you realize you can course correct in those six months. If right. everything blew up, you could make I some, some th- change, find a job, I, do yes, something.
1: Yes. Like I always say if the rug was swept out from underneath of us mm-hmm. and like the internet blew up – Mm -hmm. Is that even possible? Kim (laughs) Mm. (laughs) Jong-il.
0: Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) No, uh, if the internet blew up, you know, like we can all, say what we want on our, here. We we can talk about penises and everything. There's like only 30 people watching right now. <laughs> but is this? Are we sending this out? <laughs> yeah, we're gonna send it out to all the Patreon supporters. But oh, yeah. there there are closest supporters, <laughs> so they
1: they get our humor. Yeah, but no. Um, what, what I'm getting at is, is that if the rug was swept off from underneath of us, dude, I could, I'd have to, I'd have to move apartments because my apartment is uh, expensive. But uh, it's because we live in a nice place, and like uh-huh. that's what happens when you live in a nice place. But I, I would I would have to switch apartments, but I could totally live off of a barista salary. And actually, in that case, now that I think about the money I've saved up, it's probably a years worth. Because yeah. it's I mean that's about what that I have. That's s- what she has. That's what Mary has right, right now. So you know, at the end of the day, for me, like I know I can course correct within that six months, or if I you know switch apartments within that year. Um, but my point is, is like I have come up with my own recipe, and I and I don't. If I started to think about five years from now, like oh, dude, how are we gonna make a living five years from now? it probably would stress me out a little yeah, bit. Yeah. But but the question for me isn't about how I'm going to make money in five years. It's how am I going to uh, make the most of my time that I have right now in front of me? Right. How am I going to contribute the most beyond myself in a meaningful way? How am I going to uh, spend my days? What kind of decisions am I going to make on a daily basis that I know that if I focus on that five years from now, it's going to be okay. We, we You and I both sit for retirement. It's not like we're just you know, uh, flying by the seat of our pants. Right. So, I mean, we do have a long-term plan. Um, but for all intents and purposes, like we are focused on the next six months to, I would say, correct me if I'm wrong, but I would say that six months to 12 months. I mean, yeah,
0: that's exactly, I like to look at it one year at a time and, and it's amazing when you take those little incremental steps and, and, six years down the road or it's almost seven years now since we started the website if we would have had the seven-year plan it wouldn't have looked anything like like it is now and so yeah i agree yeah. with looking at what's right in f- front of you and putting your best foot forward don't let it, don't let perfect be the enemy of outstanding here yeah. a- and um i think you'll be in a better place because you're gonna let go of a lot of the stresses <laughs> of of the future my goodness man this smoke is like it's we used to have <clears throat> mountains in Montana. It is
1: so smoky in Missoula right now. It's like the hallways smell like smoke.
0: It's it's unbelievable. There's and it really is bad, totally fires. affecting my allergies. It's the worst in the country right now. Is Montana? Is it really? Yeah, yeah. It it does, so yeah, it so Nevada is pretty. No. Nevada, sorry, Nevada's pretty bad, and a few other places, Colorado, but in, in Idaho. But yeah. here, it's really bad right now, especially this, in western Montana.
1: Before we move on to the next question, uh, one more thing I would, or I guess, two more things I would tell Mary. I saw these like cheesy motivational posters. Um, I forget where I saw him at somewhere in upstate New York when I was at my cousin's wedding earlier in uh, July. No, this is August first, isn't it? Um, man, time flies. Uh, but <clears throat> one of them said, uh, something like, "The decisions, or no, your future self is judging all of your decisions that you're making right now." Yeah. And I was like, "That's cheesy," but that's kind of brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> like, if you can actually like. Put that perspective in your head. So I would say, Mary, like you've got to, you've got to think of it that way. Um, And uh, the other, the other thing I think I saw was something like I don't know where I saw this, some meme gallery or something. I don't know. Um, And it said, uh, yeah, basically, you know, don't uh, or yeah, do something for your future self today. So kind of the same, kind of the same principle there. But um, for me, like that really like I'm on this juice fast right now mm-hmm. and I'm going to go on it for probably five days. Right. Um, when I was in Germany, I just ate like crap. Wienerschnitzel. <laughs> <and> <laughs> well,
0: dude, so much. Deep fried por- sauerkraut. So
1: much pork. Yeah, it's so much sauerkraut. Um, but uh, yeah, I, and uh, drink, drink a lot of beer. So I'm um, going on this fast to uh, just give myself a cleanse. Uh-huh. And like those are the thoughts that I focus on. Like last night at 7 o'clock, yesterday was the first day. So it's 7 p.m. last night, I'm starving, man. Like, mm. I... And, well when I say starving like we truly don't know what starving is right. but you know our version of starving who eats yeah. every single day three right. meals a day or two meals a day your body felt hungry yeah and I'm like yeah and I'm like man I really want to like just open up a you know th- this can of sardines and not a metaphor like a literal can of
0: sardines <laughs> <laughs> and eat a can of sardines I don't think can of sardines is a colloquialism <laughs> I think you thinking can of worms oh yeah maybe that's what I want. <laughs> <laughs> you said you know what if I open this can of sardines I'm really going to be opening a can of worms <laughs>
1: yeah that's what i meant <laughs> no so but i was thinking i'm like dude like if i do that if i break this fast i'm really going to be disappointed in myself you know five days from now, or tomorrow morning or whatever anyway so yeah mary figure out what recipe works best for you and what are you working towards what are you running towards i got an email the other day from someone who was i mean a ten thousand word email of here's my life story i went out of the corporate world thoughts <laughs> and uh... i'm like and i'm like you know what like this is not it's, there's not a simple answer here, mm-hmm. but what I'll say is, you know, what are you running? Not what are you running from, but mm-hmm. what are you running towards? You got to figure that out. Yeah, and you've got to figure out how you're going to, you know, get there. I was going to say get there the fastest, but that's not the right way, mm. or not the, the right. most direct way. Yeah, the most direct way. Um, to this particular person, I recommended Chris Gillibo's book uh, Side Hustle mm-hmm. because it just talks about how people were able to. Just kind of start something on the side and, and then, you know, finally break away from what they were doing to focus on something they were more passionate about or felt like, you know, was more meaningful. Yeah. So, uh, Mary, if that sounds like a book or anyone else on here, who wants to
0: read uh, Side Hustle? It's a great book by Chris Guillebeau. Comes out next month. Um, uh, the the actual published version. Yeah. Comes out next month. Uh, speak. Uh, this is the same, same topic here. Uh, well, from what you're talking about, Jennifer says, it's going to take a few years to get away from a corporate job I hate which I feel is like is short in retrospect, but feels really long now. And now is all in caps. She says, how did you guys make those immediate years more bearable? Were you able to find even a little bit more balance and add meaning to your lives while biding time and saving up money and while still working that job that eats your days, nights, and weekends? Right now, I finally have a light at the end of the tunnel, and that's awesome. But... If you, if you have any thoughts on how to make the journey toward it less purgatory-like, please share. I mean, the thing I'll say, and Ryan, I don't know if you agree with me on this, is I actually want her to feel that pain. I don't want this job to be comfortable for no. her, man, because comfort will make you stay. I want this job to be uncomfortable and a little bit painful. I Now, let me be clear. Jennifer, I don't want you to do something that doesn't align with your values, with the person uh, who you are, but... There may be some things that are purgatory-like, but not hell-like, to extend that metaphor. And, and, and I think that's okay. You want to be able to feel the pain while you're going through this. Because I look back now on, it took me four years to pay off debt. Two of those years, I was still in the corporate world. And it was not fun. I no longer liked what I was doing. I certainly didn't love it. It felt purgatory-like. I didn't want to get up every day and do it. But to answer your question about balance, yes, I did find ways to at least inject a little more balance into my life and, and live a more meaningful life by pursuing my creative endeavors for me that was writing, also contributing a bit more. Even if it wasn't money because I was paying off debt, I would go to soup kitchens and Habitat for Humanity, find ways to donate my time outside of work, and even get folks at work involved in some of those things as well. And by doing that, the pain of the job was still real, still made me want to leave. Cause if you don't feel that pain, you might end up staying. Yeah. This is good enough. So go getting back to enough. Enough. Isn't always a great thing. Right. Enough could be like, well, I'm ready to settle. This is enough. Mm. I don't want that for you. I want you to to be able to walk away once you're ready to walk away. But as Ryan talked about earlier, you got to have a plan to do that.
1: Yeah. So you have, the, you have the light at the end of the tunnel. You have some sort of plan mm. that, that uh, you're working towards right now. Um, for me, it, it it was a matter of like changing those really crappy habits I had in the
0: corporate world. Yeah, talk about living a more meaningful I, life. It has yeah, to do it's with those like, habits. Yeah, it's like you
1: know, I I made the excuse of oh well, I work too much to go see my mom on mm. a regular basis, or uh, I work so hard I deserve to go out and rack up a three hundred dollar bar tab.
0: I deserve
1: I, it is the always the yeah, worst I deserve, sort of justification. Yeah. I deserve to. To do all these ephemeral things that are really adding to the stress. Yeah. So I'm not saying that they have these bad habits, but what is it right now that is making you feel the most stressed? Mm-hmm. If it's too many emails, if it's too many phone calls, if it's too long of work days, then you know, figure out a way to readjust those expectations. Um, like you know, like what you did with our boss mm-hmm. when he called you on christmas eve and wouldn't leave you alone yeah and uh yeah and you you were like hey what are you doing why are you calling me at six o'clock on christmas i'm at dinner right now right uh why are you calling me well i need the sales numbers well that's an unreasonable expectation now the reason why you could do that is because you were adding a tremendous amount of value to that company right and and i wasn't frivolous with with claims like that no absolutely not and you you were uh uh very
0: oh i don't know um you had the leverage to yeah. be
1: able to be able to
0: set those expectations. Well, that's good. Maybe maybe understanding that you have more leverage than you think. Yeah, yeah. And you can change some expectations. And here's the other thing: if you if you are doing something that doesn't align with your values at all, you know, if, if your job has is putting kittens in a bag, swinging them around against walls, <laughs> and that's that's not in line with your values. Yeah. Uh, and all that seems illegal. <laughs> Why would people employ people to swing cats around in I bags, right? that's despicable (laughs) these canadians will do anything speaking of canada we'll be in canada yes at the end of this month and next month i can't Uh, wait man the less is now tour is coming to canada six stops although i think a few toronto and edmonton are almost sold out we're gonna try and do either you're
1: selling toronto out for a second time a second time yeah Oh wow. yeah we
0: sold out the the first time uh, Lessonsnow.com for those of you listening to this. Um, our next question. By the way, uh, Sean, if we have any live questions down here below, maybe uh, you can you can give us one of those in a moment. I'm going to read Kim's question. We'll answer that. And then we'll, we'll turn back to podcast Sean for one of the live questions going on here for the folks who didn't do their homework and turn in their question early. <laughs> <laughs> so they're they're contributing towards us and we're giving them homework for their contribution <laughs> yeah it's just like it's uh who'd i see that uh i think it was norm mcdonald recently and i don't want to spoil his joke too much but i i guess i'll step on it a little bit he uh uh he was like i don't think being a teacher is that hard of a job you got 30 uh child laborers in the classroom doing all the work for you. Now, obviously, I don't agree with that. My former spouse is a eighth grade English teacher, and I understand how much work goes into that. And so, um, yes, we, we will put a little bit of the work on you in in the process uh, to send in these questions early so we can answer them. Kim asks or says, I'm a mom of two 20-something young adults. Let's go back to that word <laughs> adult in a minute, Okay. <laughs> who are passionate about creative careers, woodworking, and costume design, respectively. Do you think they can make it on their own in in no, those chosen fields?
1: Is it is she asking us, or I think she's making a statement that they think they can make it on their own. Yeah,
0: she's saying, I, I, I think they can make it yeah. on their own. Uh, college is out of reach financially for them, but I suggest they seek out mentors who could help them along with advice or internship kind of jobs. When is it unhealthy, in your opinion, to be quote extremely minimal? Uh, and who you choose to surround yourself with for growth and opportunity? I love them. I love them both, but feel they are going to be living with me forever, if someone doesn't guide their passions or quote light a fire under them. Well, if they're living with you, I would I would say they might not be adults. They might be adults, sort of physically. She did say young adults, yeah, right? Which is like a True. polite term for. You know, someone who's in high school. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hello, young man. <laughs> um, here's the thing. I tu- the day I turned 18, I moved out, I- and we were broke as shit. I got kicked out when I was 17. <laughs> <laughs> I-, I think you don't know, become an adult until maybe you're 35. That's what my mom always told me. Mm. And I think maybe I did a little. I-, I was either an adult when I was 14 or I was an adult when I was 29, somewhere around there. Uh, depending on how you define adult, I mean, I was still doing stupid shit. I just, it was like corporate stupid shit. I'm going to go work 80 hours a week uh, for this soulless corporation. And, and uh, here's the thing if, uh, if they want to do woodworking and costume design, my question for you is Is there anyone in your state or your country or your city? who makes a living from woodworking or costume design. If so, you want to find a way to model that person. Now, you gave some good advice here about going out and getting mentors. The best way to get a mentor, though, isn't to go to someone and say, hey, can you be my mentor? You get so many people that go to us and say, hey, can you be our mentors?" In fact, Ryan started a mentoring business because of this. He's like, I can't spend five hours a day mentoring people for free. Like I have to do something for a living. And so you started the, the mentoring business uh, and and you charge people for your, your time to help help. I guide t- them in I, I can't even
1: mentor everyone who wants me to mentor them and pay for it. Like right. it's, I have a team of mentors right. that that will help out. Um, and yeah, and, in fact, at this point, you can't even sign up for mentoring with me because I have so many clients booked through the end of the year and repeat clients. Um, it's like it, it, now you have access to amazing people but i mean even now it's it's hard for me to take on new clients right and I, I Or new you mentees i hate calling them clients new right. students
0: yes yeah yeah young <laughs> adults um <laughs> why are you looking at me like that they can see you we're on camera <laughs> oh they can see the eye roll oh <laughs> <laughs> well
1: no because i don't feel good patronizing uh kim's children
0: here she knows that i'm joking with her okay we've talked about poop soup and and penises so far on this episode, <laughs> it's only going to go downhill from here. Uh, anyway, Kim, what, what I will tell you is that the best way to find a mentor is to add value to someone else's life yep. first. So if, if your son or daughter wants to find someone else who makes a living off of woodworking, it's not best to go to them and say hey, I, I really need a mentor. Will you be my mentor? Well, what's it in for them? But yeah. if you show up and say, hey, you know what? You're doing a great job with woodworking. Can I sweep your floor for free for a month? Yeah. One hour, uh, one hour a day? Yeah. And uh, in the meantime, I may pick up sort of via osmosis, not literally, but finding someone else's recipe, uh, you'll find out a lot about what they're doing. And then eventually you might be able to start asking questions mm-hmm. and and put in that work. I mean, when we first started the, the website, The Minimalists, and we said, okay, some people are finding value from this. How can we get more people to find value from this? Well, the people who inspired us originally, we found ways to add value to their lives first, whether it was Leo or Joshua Becker or Colin or Courtney Carver. And those were people who inspired us early on. I said, well, I don't just want to go to them and take. What can I give first? Mm. And I did that with a bunch of other people, too. And we didn't always get something back. In fact, most of the time, we didn't get anything back. But it feels good to give, and eventually you will get something back in the process. So I would encourage you to encourage them to do that. But also, they probably need to make a living in the meantime. It's okay to go get a job driving a Lyft or an Uber or or, uh, being a waiter or waitress uh, or taking on some other menial job that will pay the bills. There's nothing wrong with having a job, having a nine to five. We all have to pay the bills and then pursuing what we're passionate about. And all the other hours of the day, mm-hmm. finding those mentors, finding those internships and the ability to learn from other people. Last thing I'll say is college isn't necessarily out of reach. It doesn't seem necessary to me for woodworking or costume design though. Nope. If, if they wanted to be a brain surgeon Yes, I'm not never going to go to a do-it-yourself brain surgeon. You, there, there are certain professions where where university is a necessity. Most of the time, that's that's not the case, especially for woodworking and costume design.
1: Yeah, yeah, I would. Uh, it makes me think when I wanted to be a woodworker mm-hmm. back when I was like 20 years old, 19 years old, and yeah, I found woodworking classes to go to, and you know what? It was something that. Um, I obviously wasn't that passionate about, right? Because I went to, I made a couple end tables and uh, like a, I think they called it a sofa table. It's like a really long table. It's Ashtrays, like, yeah. Ash. <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Wooden bowls. Oh wait, no, that was high school shop class. Uh, no, but my my point is, is that I'm sure there's someone who uh, teaches like some woodworking classes. So my question would be, is what are your kids doing to further their careers? Um, I'm sure there is a community theater near you where uh, your your other child could go and uh, help out with costume design and find someone there to take them under their wing. Again, adding value. So, you know, the, from, if it was me, and it's so easy to give advice on other people's kids when I don't have any myself. Right. Um, but, yeah, like I would really challenge my kids uh, to, on a regular basis, like focus on those things. And yeah, you're right, man. Like if, if all else fails, it's okay to get a job at, uh, at a coffee shop or it's okay to get a job at uh, McDonald's, like whatever it is, like if whatever you have to do to pay the bills or to contribute to your, you know, to your family, like that's, that's perfectly okay. So what expectations are you setting with, uh, with your kids? Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, if it like when I was 17 years old, my dad had very clear expectations. I had a girlfriend, mm-hmm. uh, she lived on her own. And if I was to go visit her at all, I couldn't live in the house. So he kicked me out of the house when I was seventeen years old mm-hmm. because I was like, "No, I'm not. I'm not going to break up with this girl um, because of this fanatical religious belief." Yeah. So he set very clear expectations with me, and guess what? I didn't live in my dad's house anymore after 17 years old. Right. So what expectations are you setting uh, with your
0: kids? There was a, kind of a second question, though, like how minimal is too minimal? Yeah, yeah. When she was talking about with the people you surround yourself, she said, when is it unhealthy, in your opinion, to be extremely minimal When you're in, in who you choose to surround yourself with for growth or opportunity? surround I would say surround yourself with people who share similar values but different interests and beliefs mm. and so uh, it also depends on your personality type. I have fewer friends than Ryan does. he's extreme extrovert I'm an extreme introvert and, but the people I do bring into my life they tend to have similar values to me but they believe in different stuff they might have different political beliefs they have different religious beliefs and what I try to do is is find those relationships, that, will, that I, I can contribute to, but they also serve me. Every good relationship is a give and take. It's not an equal give and take. There are some relationships I give way more to than I'll ever get from that relationship. And that's okay as long as we're both giving what we can to it and getting what we get. It's not transactional. It is transcendent. If you're just giving, you're going to feel used. If you're just taking, you're a parasite. And so we need to move beyond that. It has to be some sort of reciprocity there. The only other thing I'll say about when is it, uh, when, when is it in our opinion, to, too minimal to be extremely minimal? Uh, when you're depriving yourself. Yeah, uh,
1: Well, so, yeah, I was going to say that, too. But we do have to sometimes temporarily deprive ourselves. That's true. Sometimes. But if it is a constant deprivation or if it's a toxic situation... Um, whether it's your health, whether it's your, uh, you know, physical health or mental health. Yes. Um, Emotional but yes. health. Yeah, absolutely. Like that is when uh, it's probably time to to reconsider your, your simple life.
0: Yeah. And it's get, get, get people out of your life who don't add value to your life. And, and it, well, here's what I mean by that. Sometimes adding value to your life just means you're able to contribute to them <laughs> and it makes you feel good. But if you're not even able to contribute because everything you do gets twisted or changed, you don't just have to break up with the person. You have to break up with the idea of how you want that relationship to be. and, and uh, Because that idea is really keeping you from moving on to people who are, are, are going to better serve your life and whose life you can serve better. You have only 24 hours in a day. How are you going to spend those hours? Sean, do you have a question for us? from Nigel. All right, Nigel. What's he got to say? On the minimalist journey, have you encountered situations where you are so averse to buying or bringing items into your home it turns out to be detrimental to your quality of life? <laughs> I have found myself not buying clothes or even household items I could probably do with, but I have this aversion to adding items to my life. I don't necessarily see what's wrong with that. Do you I'll want to rephrase that question? Yeah, so, that. So, so the question has to do with, uh, do you ever basically deprive yourself of items to where it's detrimental to your Just life? Just for the
1: sake of deprivation because uh, we're minimalists. I, dude, I had a little moment with, so American Apparel went out of business. Yeah. And that's the shirt that I wear. Yeah. Oh man, I wish I didn't say that because now people are going to buy American Apparel and think that. They're going to be the. It's the best shirt that they've. The best black T-shirt. American Apparel fits great on me.
0: Yeah, it doesn't fit me well.
1: Right. That. Uh.
0: Who. Who is State this? Save khaki.
1: Yeah. So that fits you really well. It would yeah. not fit me really well. Right. So, so anyway, um, but my point is, is that they went out of business. I went on uh, eBay to buy because I needed new shirts and I couldn't find them anywhere. Um, and I bought uh like eight of them right. to, re- to replace like the seven or eight that I had, and. I had this instinct. I was like, I need to buy a hundred. They're out of business. Right. So there are certain times where like that, that, uh, the training from the habits that I've instilled in myself over the past several years, it definitely kicks in. Um, but yeah, I didn't not buy the new t-shirts. I bought exactly what I needed and that those habits kicked in and stopped me from buying an excessive amount of them. And then come to find out, actually, now you can buy them in bulk. So, like, I could still get them if I really need them. <laughs> but e- even if I didn't, like, at the end of the day, I could buy a thousand of them. Eventually, I'm going to have to find a new, right. a, a new brand of You're t-shirt. You're going to have your
0: own warehouse full of <laughs> yeah, Right, exactly. <laughs> you open your own American Apparel store. <laughs> just so I could have American Apparel. <laughs> it's called Ryan Apparel. But,
1: yeah, but, you know, I, I I don't ever deprive myself just because I'm one of the minimalists. That'd be a really bad example, too. I mean... Josh and I were not about like I love the story of the Buddha like it's it's a really good story but you know there's a point where he was like you know living off of one grain of rice a day <laughs> and that's ridiculous like that yeah. is I mean it's 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 a good it's a good example of how extreme someone is willing to go yeah to to find out what the balance is and I think that's well I don't think that's eventually where he got to and that's part of his story mm. but he's not going to recommend for everyone to just eat one grain of rice a day. Like you don't have to do that to find that balance.
0: Yeah. And I think we, we don't recommend our life for anyone else either. We, we simply share the recipe that's worked really well for us. I, th- I think uh, I don't live a very extreme life in, in the sense that I'm constantly depriving myself of stuff. Although I th- can see how a lot of people would look at my life and say, that is really extreme. And, and that's, that says to me a lot more about them than it does about me. Uh, yeah, like they need more stuff in their lives. Great, right? Get that stuff, right, right. right. Or, like if it's something that you truly, truly
1: need, like, yeah, you don't have a ton of art on the walls, no. But there are, like, I've got some paintings. I love them. Like, I don't judge Josh for not having art, and he doesn't judge me for having right. Art. But if you were to, but I would never not, I would never do away with the art just because, like, I'm, I'm the minimalist, and oh my god, is Josh gonna judge me for having this art on my wall? Like, I would, my mind does not go there. And
0: if you started judging me, like, man. I can't believe you don't have any paintings on your wall or whatever. That that would just tell me that, oh, Ryan is struggling with having paintings on his own walls. Mm. If you started actually judging me for that. So so when people see, we have house tours of, of our houses on, on the website, mm. com slash Milburn and slash Nicodemus. And you can see the differences there. And when people look at that and some of them say, well, that's really stark. I could never do that because of blank." Well, that tells me more about you. You know, I live in a space that's appropriate for my life, yeah. and I mean, I was at I was at Target this uh, past weekend, and we we were just buying some you know, basic stuff. I was buying one grain of rice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, that's funny. They were on sale. <laughs> so I bought a thousand. Oh my goodness, grains of rice! You're hoarding <laughs> grains of rice. Um, so no, and I, I saw this cape that I wanted to get for Ella, and and back cake or a cape, cape cape bex talked me out of it so i think it's good to have an accountability partner there as well because she'll talk me into things Mm. when but we'll talk not into it but she'll talk me through something yeah and she she reminded me that ella already had a feather cape yeah and that um so i'm waiting for that feather cape to be destroyed or lost or something so i can replace her cape and we can (laughs) pretend to be superheroes uh, so, so, uh, I think it's good to have someone else there to either talk it through with you, talk you out of the thing, but help you better understand your position, uh, on it. And then when in doubt, wait, wait 30 days to, to make the purchase. If you feel like it's something that's on impulse, wait. And if, and if you still feel like I, I need this thing, then, uh, then go for it. Weigh the pros and the cons. Yeah. Nigel, what's appropriate for
1: your life, man? Like I'm, I'm doing this juice fast. Uh, I, I did not want to buy another juicer. Like I was really considering just going to, we got nice little health food store. They do juices. I'm like, I'll just go there and get it. But that's even more silly to me to make a trip every time I want to have a juice. You can't really save them in the refrigerator. So Mariah and I were looking into it. Mariah has a KitchenAid that she uses. Like she will make muffins and other delicious gluten-free snacks. Um, But there's an attachment you can get on there as a juicer. It was like 150 bucks. When I could get like a nice like juicer for eighty bucks, right? So you know what? Like I went out and I just got the juicer because like this is really adding value to my life right now. Now, if it's not adding value to my life a month from now or ninety days from now, well then I'll reevaluate that juicer. Right. So Nigel, if there's something, he, what he the question he asked was, there are some things I could probably do with, but I do without. The question is, is like how much value is that going to add to your life? I guess. <clears throat> I could do with um more decorative beer steins in my I'm just like throwing something out there that I like. I was at when I was in Germany um, this past month, uh, the one of the friends that my my grandparents were staying with, they had these beer steins all over the like it was it was all over the place. Like all, like cluttered beer steins. But they loved them. And I was like, oh, it'd be cool to have like one or two. But at the end of the day, like I really don't have anywhere to put them. Right. Uh, it's not going to add that much value to my life. But I'm just trying to help you see, Nigel, like what my thought process is. Yes, a beer stein looks nice. Is it functional? That's the first thing I'm going to ask. No, it's not functional. Is it going to uh, add value to my life? Not really. Is it going to bring me joy? Yeah. Like Every time I look at it, I might be like, oh, wow, there's that trip from Germany. And I got that one in Munich. And I got that stein in Berlin. And I got that one in Lonsuit. And, you know, I mean, maybe... But at the end of the day, do I have the space for it? And the truth is, is I don't have the space for it. And also, if I really wanted beer signs, like I, don't, I didn't have to get them in Germany. I can order them from Germany. My mom or my grandma has, or I should say my Oma. It's German for grandmother. She has a plethora of beer signs. Every time I'm in Florida, she tries to get me one. And I, I'm like, you know, that's a really nice stop. But right now, I don't have the space for it. It's not, going to, it's not going to add enough value to my life to have. So that's the question, Nigel. Yes, could you do with a KitchenAid, for example? Yeah, you could probably buy a KitchenAid and use it once every three years. But you've got to be able to decide like what uh, is, is most important to you. But if you are feeling deprived, like that is, that's a signal... Uh, that maybe maybe you should a- approach uh, what you're bringing into your life a little bit differently because you know minimalism is not deprivation. It's not making yourself miserable
0: just for the sake of it. Maude has a question. She says, I started to simplify my, simplify my life a few years ago because I had a lot of debt. Since so you talk to a lot of people who are looking to minimize their life, what is the most common starting point for the journey into minimalism? And I think what she's asking there has to do like what, what's inspiring people to simplify their lives. And so for me, the starting point was asking that question, how might your life be better with less? And I think it's different for a lot of people. Yeah, some people are overwhelmed by debt. Some people don't really care about their debt, right? I mean, and I'm not not judging you that you should or shouldn't have debt. What I'm saying is there's no such thing as good debt and it prevents us from being free, financially free. And it keeps us tethered to lifestyles that, that we we may not find value in. They may not be the most ideal lifestyle. And so for me, it was financial. But other people, it can be as simple as, man, I wish my house was less cluttered or easier to clean. Uh, or, you know what, I wish I enjoyed the things I own more. I just have so much stuff. I don't know what I enjoy. I don't know what does serve a purpose in my life or bring me joy. And, and so it's really up to us to ask that question and answer it accordingly and be honest with ourselves. Is it finances? Is it health? Is it relationships? Is it time? It's really up to you to answer that. And what you'll find out is you'll start uncovering all these additional benefits as well. All right. Natalie says, my father is from a very poor country, but has reached great success in the United States. He buys many things stating he was not able to afford such items before, and now he has a very large house with every shelf, drawer, and closet filled to the brim. He often expresses that he feels stressed, overwhelmed, and unsatisfied, and coming home from a stressful job to a home with so much doesn't help. How do I introduce him to minimalism, along with the idea that removing excess will allow him to have the space to clear his mind and reduce stress without seeming pushy. How do you make your family member a minimalist? <laughs> First, you get rid of all their stuff. You could burn his house down. <laughs> Don't do that. All right, never mind. <laughs> no, I, uh, I. I
1: think this is a good. This is a good uh, opportunity to talk about our documentary. <laughs> in case you haven't heard we have a documentary out called minimalism a documentary about the important things. And
0: if you'd like one more item it's available on dvd it's
1: available on dvd no I, I, you know you can't make someone be a minimalist i think our movie is probably the most approachable way to show someone what this thing called minimalism is right because it, it does show such a wide range of how people apply this philosophy to their lives so that could be one way you could help uh him see the benefits but that's really what it comes down to. You've got to figure out how can he see the benefits of simplifying. If he keeps complaining about the clutter, well, then, okay, talk to him about, hey, you know what? Um, you might be interested in simplifying your life. Don't use the word minimalism. Or if you want to,
0: fine. Uh, sometimes it's a bit too subversive. Uh, you're going to know that better than me with your, with your father. But Yeah, he, he may be turned off by it or maybe, for me, like it was like, huh, I need something that jars me a little bit right now, right? Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, you're going to be the best judge of that. But, uh,
1: you know, basically, you can go to him and be like, I want to watch this documentary with you. And it really talks about how these folks simplified their lives to live a more meaningful life to cut out some of the stress in their lives. Um, But at the end of the day, like, you know, you can't we say this all the time, like you can't make someone be a minimalist. In fact, trying to force something on someone is going
0: to make them uh, against it even more. Yeah. Yeah, people, people don't hate change. They hate being changed. And so the only thing you can do is really inspire him. Maybe uh, have him watch the documentary. If he's, a, if he's a book reader, I think everything that remains is a, is a great place to, to get started to that idea. Um, but you can't help someone who doesn't want help. The good news is it seems like he does want help. And so instead of showing him the what, you can show him the how. What are the benefits going to be for him and that might come along with less stress. So you can start asking some questions. And what are some good questions you can ask him? You know, what's your ideal life? Who's the person you want to become? How might you achieve that? Uh, why are you giving so much meaning to these material possessions? Only when he's complaining about this stuff. You don't just want to inject that in there and judge him and tell him he's wrong. Try to be supportive and, and find a way to help him out.
1: Yeah, I mean, I would find the biggest stress in his life And show him how simplifying can help reduce that stress. So if it's too much clutter, well, then that's a perfect opportunity to be like, well, let's go through some of these. Let's go through the most cluttered room in the house. Or can I help you? Yeah, exactly. Or if it's, oh, I work too much. Well, why do you have to work so much? Mm. Is it because of all of this, all of these debt payments? Is it because of the stuff that you're buying on a monthly basis? Find the biggest stress and ask how you can help with that that one biggest stress and you know, it sounds like there's probably several things that are going on here. So yeah, just find the one and, and focus
0: on that. Yeah, for sure. All right. Doug says, are you familiar with Ryan Jordan and backpacking com? If so, with all of your traveling, well, let me just answer that. No, I, I don't know who, who he is. Hmm. Um, so no, but he says, if so, with all of your traveling, and Joshua, with your back problems in particular, in addition to reducing your stuff, have you applied backpacking light philosophies to anything? Anything that remains? Uh, yeah, I mean, so Ryan and I went on a ten-month tour, and uh, everything that I owned basically uh, for those ten months fit into my my one bag. Now, a billion of you have asked—not a billion, literally, but half a billion. Yeah, <laughs> no, thousands of you. <laughs> at this point I've asked about the bag that I used in the documentary while we were on tour. And, and there's a video on our YouTube channel, uh, youtube.com slash the minimalists called, uh, pack like the minimalists. And, um, it's a bag by Malcolm fontier. He stopped making it in 2012, but he reached out to us, uh, this year after the documentary came out on Netflix, he said, I'm getting so many people asking about this bag, I'm thinking about bringing it back. So we, we are partnering with him to try to bring the bag back. And, uh, you can find the details. I just wrote an essay on our website called Keep Travel Simple. Uh, and you can ac- actually find that essay over at the the Packed Bags website as well. So uh, the, the the name of the, the new company to bring back this bag is called Packed Bags. It's by Malcolm Fontier. And um, he's working with a whole team of people, and, and we're going to help out a little bit as well and finding ways to to put that bag back out in the world because so many people have asked about it. And but it does help. It makes people have to pack intentionally yeah like it is
1: it's like i see all these bags like i had this mission workshop bag uh-huh and it was you know i don't know how many liters 30 or 40 liters it was the biggest bag they had and you know what that did it just allowed me to pack as much stuff as i could it, there's no intention behind it it's like right. was oh i've cramming. got room for you know i've got seven shirts but i've got room for three more might as well pack them um it became a heavy bag That's yes and it would become a heavy bag yet uh now i have a little bit smaller bags um but but yeah no I, I think that that bag it does make people have to pack intentionally and it's just plenty of room for everything
0: and like you said for 10 months you had it yeah we both had that same bag back right year. Yeah. the the entire year and uh, it worked out great for me it may or may not work out great for you uh, you may or probably don't need a, another bag but if you do that's it'll be about this fall you can just go to packed bags.com packed is spelled p-a-k-t bags.com you can follow them on social media and all that that fun stuff too but yes i i don't pack very much i pack the essentials and uh man it makes travel so so much easier read that essay it's called uh keep travel simple (laughs) i just want to make a joke about um is there like a never mind
1: You're right, it's all downhill from here. Oh, you know, here's what I say about when I pack my bags. I've got uh I do 7 t-shirts. I do a weeks worth of w- weeks worth of t-shirts. I have this one pair of jeans. Um I just went to Germany. This is exactly what I packed. 7 t-shirts, 8 pairs of boxers, uh one pair of jeans, one pair of shorts. I brought these zero shoes. I brought my boots and then of course my coffee kit. Yeah. And uh I this was actually the most room I have had in my bags really? it was really yeah and especially because you know god love mariah um she like was like oh i want to get so and so a stein and i want to get somebody else a sign and i think that they really will love these signs uh-huh. and they are people who have like a very very decorated home yeah but of course like she didn't have enough room for all the 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 steins i mean uh-huh. she only bought two steins and like a few other little things some chocolates she bought a lot of chocolates but anyway Thank goodness I had room right. to, to carry these delicious treats back.
0: Man, I got to tell you, my, my partner,
1: uh, Rebecca, she... You know what I
0: got you, though, from Germany? Uh, it's what? exactly what you wanted. Thank you. Nothing. <laughs> That's quite the relief. <laughs> I thought he was going to give me something that I would throw no. away in front of him. You know what I brought back for myself? <laughs> what? Nothing. Uh, my partner puts me to shame when it comes to, to packing, though, because she'll pack for ella as well and so she packs everything for herself and for ella in one backpack nice for no matter what the trip is we were in minnesota for two weeks one backpack for her and ella nice and i'm like i have one bag as well and i i I, i'm not kidding uh when we were uh i had to pack a suit so i, I technically had two bags because i was going to this wedding for her did you have a right. garment bag i had well it was a suit bag it was <laughs> it wasn't actual. like i didn't That's didn't great. have a garment bag i went but. to a
1: wedding upstate new york i literally wore what i'm wearing no i take it back i had my shorts on <laughs> this black t-shirt
0: <laughs> yeah i had a suit and yeah. so I had my, my one <laughs> remaining suit um and afterward I was like traveling to Los Angeles and so I'm like, Hey, can you take the suit back with you? And she's like, Yeah, I'll just put it in my bag. I'm like, Wait, you have enough room in your bag for my suit? She's like, Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, What are, what are you packing? And so somehow she she is uh just a wizard when it comes to like Tetrising her her bag. But she also does she never packs anything that is not essential. She'll wash stuff in the sink and hang it up in the shower to dry if necessary. And, uh, man, she, she makes it work and she is just a Mozart of, of packing. I, I, uh, look up to her and, um, we'll try to get some more packing tips from her in the future. (laughs) All right. Tina says in my process, uh, toward minimalism, I'm discovering that one of my longtime closest friends is not aligned with my values anymore. What do slash did you say to yourselves when dealing with that loss or realization? So Mm. I, the first thing is. Be careful with this. Do they not align with your values or do they not align with your beliefs? If they don't align with your beliefs, that's totally okay. Not all of Ryan's beliefs align with mine. And we may get into some sort of disagreement or discussion or maybe even a debate about something from time to time because we have different beliefs. But we do have the same values. So in order for you to know whether or not it has to do with values, first you have to know what your values are. So speaking of my partner, she did a values worksheet on her website, uh, minimalwellness.com slash values. And you can go back and listen to our values podcast as well. It's episode 69. Understand what your values are. What are your foundational values? What are your core values? What are your minor values? And what are your imaginary values that you can get rid of? And then what are the other person's values as well? And if those don't align yeah, you know, if most of them don't align, or if they are antithetical toward one uh, one another, then yeah, you're probably going to have to get that person out of your life. Otherwise, uh, they're they're going to drag you down with them. If the beliefs are different, uh, then you can manage that quite often. Yeah, I would I would
1: say if the relationship feels toxic, it's probably toxic.
0: Ooh, so yes.
1: get out of it. Um, I I'm, won't name anyone specifically, but I definitely had toxic relationships in, in my life when I first started realizing like, oh wow, like I'm not living up to my values and beliefs. Right. And there are other people in my life who are preventing me from living up uh, to my values and beliefs. So, you know, it wasn't easy. Um, but what did I tell myself? I, I I guess I just told myself that I wanted to live a more meaningful life. I wanted to live a, you know, a happier life. Um, I don't think happiness is the point, but, uh, you know, it's, it's certainly a beautiful byproduct of living a meaningful life. And to get to that point, I had to, to live a meaningful life. My, my short-term actions had to align with my long-term values and beliefs. And if I had people in my life preventing me from doing that, well, I just simply, you know, would tell myself, like, all right, I, I've got to live a more meaningful life. So it's not like I went to these people and said, okay, we're not friends anymore. I just stopped calling them. Right. And you know what? Like, those people, m- the vast majority of them, they just didn't bother calling me either. Yeah. And, or, you know, they would try and, hey, Ryan, you want to go out to the, you know, go out to the bar tonight? You want to go to this party? And I'm like, yeah, no, I'm not really feeling it, but... Hit me up if you want to go see a movie or if you want to, you know, grab some dinner sometime or something. Yeah. And then eventually those relationships just faded. There certainly isn't a simple answer to this question because when you have people close in your life that you do realize are toxic, it's, it is hard to, to walk away from, from those relationships, but it is a necessary thing. And that is what I would focus on is, you know, me eating healthy wasn't easy, but it was, it was necessary for me to start eating more healthy. Me uh, exercising more uh, wasn't easy, but it was certainly necessary me getting rid of those toxic relationships. It wasn't easy, but it was necessary. And uh, there's certainly not, um, like I said, an easy answer to make you feel great about it. Uh, but what I will say is it is perfectly justified to get toxic people out of your life. And, you know, I <clears throat> I grew up with um, just people uh, always, whether it's direct family members or other people talking about, well, I can't, I can't stop... You know, hanging out with that person because they're my family member, and man, you know, sometimes even family members can be toxic relationships. I'm not saying
0: a lot of the time they can. Yeah, I'm
1: not. I'm not saying to, you know uh, walk away from from family members altogether, but you can certainly reduce the amount of time that you spend with them. I have uh, you know, long time uh, friends from high school who I spend very, very minimal minimal time with. In fact, they're not really friends; they're, they're acquaintances. They're on that tertiary. Part of it, but I do bump into them from time to time. I'm not rude to them. Uh, It's the same thing with family members. Like I will see, uh, you know, some family members at holidays, and uh, some I haven't seen in five or six years, and and that's okay um, because you know at the end of the day, like there are certain family members who I don't go out of my way to spend time with because their values and beliefs don't align with mine. I mean, like you said, I think values are definitely the more important part. But sometimes even beliefs can get in the way.
0: Yeah, if they have toxic beliefs, that's
1: that that's a huge problem. Yeah. I mean, my my father uh-huh. will hardly talk to me. Right. Because I'm living with Mariah and, and we're not married. Not married. Yeah. So uh-huh. like I had breakfast with him when I was in Ohio. Yeah. That was it. Right. And it's like I don't I don't go out of my way to tell him he's wrong. I don't go out of my way to
0: try and talk to him it's it's really kind of you know the ball is kind of in his court because well and also the leverage you have is your 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 time with with the people in your life and if you instead of trying to change someone else the leverage you have is i'm going to spend this time elsewhere yeah
1: and you know what i would to to i mean i don't think that this and this is like my own values values and beliefs versus his values and beliefs so i don't think that this is necessarily the right approach but what i will say is that my dad is absolutely living up to his values and beliefs he has a certain set of beliefs that say if he associates with people who are living in an unmarital uh household mm-hmm. that somehow his spaghetti monster is going to <laughs> is going to uh judge him for that you know I, great i'm glad he's living up to his values and beliefs it's damaging in the process to other people Yeah. Um, some of those, those those values are yeah. toxic I guess like I, i'm trying to, I'm speaking out of both sides of my mouth here saying like it really sucks that he has this attitude but in the same token he is still living up to like what he truly believes in and what his values are yeah
0: well values aren't necessarily ethical or moral They're, and so we yeah. have to think about that as well if someone's be behaving unethically or, or immoral um, regardless of of what their values are they, they can do that uh, especially you're you're you can have Crappy values that you live up to, mm-hmm. and and live a completely immoral life. You know, Jeffrey Dahmer probably lived up to his values. Values are, aren't this uh, the 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 highest order of living your, your most meaningful life. It, there's also this thing called morality, and there's you know, Sam Harris wrote a book called The Moral Landscape, and and uh, it's pretty dense, but I would encourage people to to, to check it out. Um, but we can also get into ethics and and understanding. Uh, that if we're not behaving ethically, it doesn't necessarily matter what our values are. We're, we're not going to to live the best possible life as a human being. Right. Uh, we have one more question here from Kimberly. Actually, I've got several other questions. But she actually, Kimberly had about seven questions. So I just picked the first one. <laughs> um, thank you for the questions, Kimberly. Yeah. She said, where do you get the pictures you use on your website and podcasts? So Ryan, he, he has this Polaroid camera.
1: no uh if she's talking about specifically like the website that we use for the essays yeah and the pictures we
0: use for the podcasts those are all what the um library Library congress Congress, yeah Yeah. we use a few photos from a website called unsplash as well uh, unsplash.com it's uh uh, copyright free or or it's not copyright free where there's a, a creative commons uh, content uh, the Library of Congress stuff it's all they're all really old photos so it's they're like outside of, yeah yeah they're outside of uh, copyright and it's a it's quite the hunt I mean quite often we'll spend an hour finding one photo that aligns with an essay just right and um, so so we'll do that and for, in terms of people who take the photos for us like pictures of, of me and Ryan uh, we have a great photographer named Joshua Weaver who actually owns the coffee shop with us at, down in St. Petersburg. We met him through photography, though. Yeah. He started taking photos for us. He's actually coming out uh, later this month to do some some updated photos for us. We also have some other folks like uh, uh, Justin Vassar, who did some photos for us recently in Los Angeles. He mm-hmm. lives in uh, L.A. and Las Vegas. Uh, and then our good friend Adam Dressler, who we grew up with, is a hobby photographer, and he, for the first time, what three or so years of our website did all the photos photos. and we're the
1: we were his only i want to say client
0: but we never paid him anything right (laughs) we we bought him lunch at tie nine occasionally (laughs) well he he just said yeah he has four kids uh he's like i'm just so tired of taking photos of my kids um and so he yeah he lives in tennessee now and so we don't get to spend as much time with him as we'd like although we'll get to see him later this year when we're in nashville on the less is now tour less is now.com um and uh we'll get to hang out with him and he said to do some photos for us while we're out there as oh well. really yeah he oh, has, that'd be great man he, he is such a i mean for being a, a quote amateur photographer he's better than most professional photographers oh yeah he's amazing hands down yeah so those people help us out uh oh yeah and, and Kimberly also asked her second question why is Josh always look at Ryan so lovingly in the photos because Josh loves me that's why yeah and I don't feel insecure about loving another man in a non-sexual way it's <laughs> it's totally okay um and so yeah I'll look at Ryan lovingly because I love him very much he's my best friend uh, Lee says the minimalists have been ha- have been an inspiration to me to realize that my things wait to realize my things Wait a minute. Did you edit these questions, Josh? I didn't. That's the problem. (laughs) We had so many. I'm like, I can't take the time to edit all of these. Uh, Because you know how when I get to editing, it's just many, many hours of me like, should that be an M-dash or a comma? And uh, I I get (laughs) lost in a downward spiral. When there's like three questions, I can edit them down. But otherwise, no. Uh, So to realize my things, uh, stop focusing so much time on me. Okay. So we've inspired her to stop focusing so much on herself. And start focusing. Instead of focusing on me, she's focusing on we. Uh, There's a a platitude for you. Nice. Um, I started volunteering, donating more, and simply looking for ways to give back to the people around me. Nice. It's been an incredible journey. I have no challenge letting go of things, buying less, or giving back. Pretty awesome. I think we could just end it there and say congratulations. Yeah. But here's where where the question starts. I find the one place I might be hoarding <laughs> is with money. I'm just picturing Scrooge McDuck like swimming through the coins. <laughs> Remember how his nephews could never like they would just jump and they nobody fall.
1: could. Yeah, it was only him that could somehow swim through the coins.
0: I always wanted to do that. I know, me too. But now I think about it, God, that would suck. I would die, man. And all those dirty ass quarters and nickels. <laughs> anyway um she's hoarding money i save a lot at least 50 percent of my income wow great and place it in my savings slash retirement account i've done some retirement calculations and i'm starting to get on track to have money for when the time comes in about 30 years but it's a lot to save for so my question is how are you guys planning for retirement how do you balance saving for retirement while giving back yeah Uh, i would say
1: josh and i give back as much as we can um I mean, we just agreed to uh, be part of, are oh, you going to have to help me with the uh, Scott
0: Harris's uh, charity? Scott Harris and Charity Water. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we're do We're doing... So, so. I mean, to, let's step back from the question. We do both. We, we save for retirement or for the... Just call it for the future. Investing in your future self is what I sure. call it. Uh, and you can see exactly how we do that. Uh, if you go to com slash retirement, there's an exact plan. You can also see exact screenshots of... Of uh, the accounts that we use and everything else, and um, and on top of that, we find ways to contribute. Now there are quite a few ways to contribute. There, are, I, I like to look at three different ways to contribute. The first one is monetarily. You can write the check, right? Sure. And that's one thing that we will do. Um, the, the in fact, we just wrote a check to help build an orphanage with uh, the Hope Effect on on the U.S. Canada border. Our friend Joshua Becker runs a, a, a nonprofit charity organization that builds orphanages uh, to house. Eight uh, eight kids at once, so smaller yes. orphanages. What is the program that... What is Scott Harrison's program called? Uh, Charity Water. I know it's Charity Water, but
1: the program that we specifically signed up for...
0: Yeah, I, I, it's a... Uh, it's an amazing... Yeah,
1: I don't remember the The, the exact title. name of it. Yeah. yeah. But right. anyway, he reached out to us and said, Hey, you guys have done a lot for Charity Water, uh, giving away your birthdays and, and raising money. Would you guys be willing to be part of... You know, this initial, I think it was 20,000 people that he's trying to commit to give uh, 10 or 20 bucks. We're going to get more than that uh, a month and be a regular donor. But he's trying to get it to a point where he he will eventually have 1 million uh, contributors. And his whole goal is to basically provide everyone in the world with clean water. Yeah, that is a lofty goal. Yeah, but
0: like after watching that video, I think he can do it, man. I think so too, and and all the progress they've made over over the the last uh, ten years or so, it's,
1: it's unbelievable.
0: Uh, yeah, and so we helped them build a few uh, three wells in Malawi um, a couple of years ago, uh, three years ago now, and and we've done some other stuff with charity water as well. So so that's the second way to do it is to. Inspire other people to help you contribute, right? Mm. And so the thing we're talking about right now, I don't talk about it because hey, look at me, look how great I am. I built an orphanage and a school, and no, it's to, it's to get other people to contribute as well because Ryan and I can give only so much. We're certainly not millionaires or anywhere close to that, and so. So what we can do is give some of the money that we have. We can also inspire other people. And so, yeah, I give a good portion, a uh, minimum 10% of what my income is. Uh, find ways to give that into a charity. Ideally, I want to be able to give a third of my money uh, and, and resources to, to charity. And while that is also a, a lofty goal, the other way that you can contribute if you don't have the resources to do it by the way, we we can all can, if if we live in the developed world, we all have the resources to do something to contribute. Yeah. So yeah,
1: if you don't have the monetary resources, is what yeah, you can, can start with the money. And, and
0: I, we were talking about Adam Dressler
1: earlier. I would say the money is probably the easiest way to contribute. Yeah. And what I mean by that is. Especially for a
0: rich person, like they can just here's money, right. just throw money at it. And they need in these NGOs and other places, they need that money, right? I mean, the reason Scott sure. Harrison reached out to us <clears throat> was twofold: can you inspire other people to contribute to charity water, but also can you guys give something on a monthly basis, right? And uh, so the answer to that was was yes to Absolutely. both of those. Uh, but but even in, in my friend Adam, we were, who we were talking about the photographer earlier, he he said something to me that was really profound because I made really good money in the corporate world, close to a couple hundred thousand dollars a year. And I, I wasn't, certainly wasn't giving 10% of my income back then. Right. And, and he, and then when I walked away, I remember that first year I made $23,000 that first year. And I was shocked. I even made that much. Like a lot of that came toward sort of the end of the year. And uh, but I found a way to contribute 10% of it minimum. It was twenty three hundred dollars. I made twenty three thousand. I found a way to contribute twenty three hundred dollars that year, and it was because my friend Adam said, "If you're not going to give 10% when you're making twenty three thousand dollars, you're not going to give 10% if you're making." two hundred and thirty thousand dollars if you're making two point three million dollars you're going to find a way to talk yourself out of giving that 10 percent then as well and so that's what worked for me Mm -hmm. and uh that was the first way was contributing monetarily the second way is inspire others to contribute however you can the third way is you can donate your time it's the other resource you have your time and attention soup kitchens food banks habitat for humanity there are ways for you to contribute to your local community in a meaningful way
1: yeah yeah, I would say uh, the time, giving your time is most meaningful. And that's really where I was going because, you know, when I, when we built that school in Laos, when I went out there, they were just, oh, thank you for bringing your American money. And, and they were really grateful for it. Don't get me wrong. But I'm looking at this amazing school mm-hmm. and it's like, you know, the money, that was the easy part. Mm-hmm. Like us for us to go to our audience and say, hey, can you help us build this school in Laos? Um, that didn't take... A whole lot of man hours. It took some hours to get the essays together and uh to, to talk about it. Don't get me wrong, like there's definitely work that went there. But to build those that school, which took many, many, many hundreds of work hours right. to build, like that is where the real contribution happened. And that, that village got together and they, they essentially uh all chipped in to help build this school. I mean, there were a couple people that they paid to come out and build a couple things, but mm-hmm. for, for for most of it, it was volunteer work yeah. that helped build this school. So, yeah, like for me, um, I don't keep track of... Now Now you're like making me, oh, I'm comparing myself to Josh. Am I giving 10%? No, mm-hmm. you know what I do? It's like <clears throat> I get hit up. I get hit up several times a month. Hey, mm-hmm. help me out with this Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> this Patreon campaign that I'm doing. Right. I can't tell you. I, I, I have... Uh, probably five different Patreon accounts that I'm donating to right now. Uh-huh. Um, my sister calls me when I'm in upstate New York, Hey, my dog needs this surgery and I need 500 bucks. Can you help me out with 500 bucks? Yeah. So I'm like finding a Western union up in the middle of nowhere, upstate New York to send my sister 500 bucks. Yeah. Or, um, and, and I could sit here and give more examples, but my point is, is like, I will contribute whenever I can. Right. Um, and it's when, it's when people are coming to me and, and really asking me for it, whether it's, uh, you know, I can't tell you how many, um, kickstarters and what's the other one. It, does, it doesn't matter, but how Indiegogo. many go go. Yeah. Indiegogo campaigns I've donated to this year. Um, it, it's, it's a matter for me. It's not, I don't have to put a percentage on it as much as like, am I giving back? But I'll tell you, giving my sister 500 bucks donating to an Indiegogo campaign, um, uh, uh, giving to charity water doesn't feel as good as like me volunteering my time to help out the refugees here in Missoula. Like yeah, that you, for me is the most meaningful, man. When like, you say that's the con- most meaningful, because it's yeah, it's building a it's building a connection with people. Mm-hmm. I can see the direct impact I'm having with my time. And when I think about the past, the stuff that we used to do, um, uh, we, that we've done a lot of in the past with soup kitchens and with Habitat for Humanity, mm-hmm. like those are the most fun and they're the most meaningful yeah so um just to your point of if you don't have money as a resource which whether you got five bucks a year or five thousand dollars a year to give away you could certainly give something but giving your time i think is for me is the most meaningful way to contribute
0: and i think the cool thing about like the school for the use that example earlier it took all three of those things the money the inspiring others to contribute and the time yeah. of, of people, it takes all three of those for any of these things to come together. So, Absolutely. so it looks like it, it, it looks like Elise is looking at uh, get, finding ways to give back. I found the best way for me to do it so that I'm not constantly like. Who do I give this to, or or oh, did I contribute it all this month? Is automate it. So I'll, I'll tell you four places that that I donate every month, and uh, these may be th- these may make sense for you, and they, they may not. Uh, the first one is uh, GiveWell.org. They have the top six most uh, effective charities in in the entire world, uh, uh, nonprofit organizations in the entire world. Uh, so I, I give to givewell.org and they allocate it evenly uh, among those six but then also the top one is called the against malaria foundation and i will give every month to the against malaria foundation on top of what i give to givewell.org also a uh, doctors without borders is is a great one that i will contribute to regularly and then charity water as well and, and i think those are four great places for you to get started if you're looking at how do i automate my contributions well what do you have yeah and if you want to give 10%, you know, split it among the four, just give it to one. I think givewell.org is is a great place to start.
1: Yeah, and if you're saving for just to go back to her hoarding money, if you're saving money for retirement, I mean, it's not really hoarding. No. I mean, like don't no one out there should forsake their 65-year-old self just so they can, you know, be a philanthropist when they can't afford it.
0: If that yeah. makes sense, yeah, yeah. It's to yeah. secure your own mask before helping others with theirs.
1: Right. I mean, and there there is a certain point where, yeah, maybe like you know, uh Dave Ramsey. What does he say? The, if you save up three million dollars, that's the perfect amount. Yeah. You know what? Maybe it is to live yeah. off the interest. Right. I think that's what he's talking about. Yeah. live off the interest. Right. Right. But you know. I don't think I need, like, I don't need three million bucks in the bank to feel confident about my retirement, I guess, is what right. I'm trying to say. So I think there is a certain point, but that's
0: for someone
1: to decide. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not saying three million dollars is the wrong number.
0: It's just not the right number for me. Yeah, and by the way, Dave Ramsey is going to tell you to contribute 10% of your income first anyway. Right. And, yeah, absolutely. And and being willing to, to give to others. Um, he He even has people contribute even when they're paying off their debt, which is, Uh, which you would think would be counter to his advice. But uh, he talks about doing it because you're building that that contribution muscle. And it's so important because he knows that living a meaningful life, a good chunk of that, it's not just about you. It's about the other people that we can give to. Yeah, absolutely. Brett says, I have a question about surrounding yourself with people of similar interests, values, and beliefs with respect to your inner circle slash very close friends. Where does compromise fit into all of this? Are you strict with the extent to which people in your inner circle line up with all, in capitals, all of your interests, values, and beliefs? How do you know when it's time to commit a relationship, commit to a relationship slash friendship versus constantly seeking, quote, better relationships? I guess what I'm trying to ask is, how can I know when I'm settling or if I'm succumbing to the, quote, grass is greener on the other side mentality?
1: Yeah, I mean, I've got a lot of people in my life who I am friends with and what I find myself gravitating towards is who do I click with the most. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is it might be someone who has really different, uh, beliefs, Mm -hmm. but very similar values. And we will have, you know, these great conversations about beliefs. Um, and we click really well when it comes to, you know, talking about certain topics So, you know, to answer that first part of your question, I would I would strongly advise you not to hang out with only people who have the same exact values, the same exact beliefs, because that's going to give you a very narrow mindset and a confirmation. Yeah, it's like if I was just hanging out with far left liberals, Mm -hmm. that is not I'm going to lose touch with the vast majority of the rest
0: of the world so you're saying don't put yourself in a bubble no matter where that bubble is exactly yeah
1: putting yourself in a bubble is uh it just it just leads to a narrow mindset um it's funny because like being raised as a jehovah's witness like they're they're in a bubble Uh and they know they're in a bubble they specifically live in that bubble yeah and that was that was okay but as soon as i got out of the bubble i was like oh wow like yeah. there are other people in the world who need help, right? There are other people in the world who, who, uh, uh, have a different beliefs, but are still, you know, really good people who c- can still live very meaningful lives. You don't have to be just in a bubble to live a meaningful life. I, mm-hmm. I would say that's probably the easiest way to live. Um, but it's probably the least effective way to contribute to, uh, society is yeah. to live in a bubble.
0: Yeah, I agree to you. You want to be able to be open-minded. It's the reason you'll hear me talk about people like Rob Bell and Sam Harris <coughs> in the same breath. They have mm-hmm. completely different beliefs, Yeah. Uh, but they have similar values. And then in terms of interests, you, so do the people in your life need to align with your interests, values, and beliefs was the question. The values, yeah, I think for the most part, you want people to have at least similar core values to you. Otherwise, they're going to distract you from. Yeah, if I'm hanging out with someone who's be. doing a bunch of narcotics, yeah,
1: like that's that relationship is not going to click very well. Right. Like it, that's going to be miserable for
0: me. Yeah, if their interest is heroin, then right. Then uh, I mean, that's obviously an extreme, but it is, it is an extreme, <clears throat> but it's not that extreme in this country right now. Yeah, that's I mean, true. In terms of people who are on opiates, um, it's it's worse than it's ever been, and so um, when, when people have those interests, um, that can be detrimental. There are other people who are going to have different interests from you, but they'll have some overlapping interests. And that's great. I mean, I just found out that I like stand up paddle boarding last month. I've (laughs) never done it before until, until last month. I finally went out and didn't fall off. And I said, huh, maybe it's something I could do. But so Ryan has that interest. So maybe that's one interest we'll share. But before then, We didn't have that same interest. It doesn't mean that we don't have the same values. It's just one interest. So Ryan will spend time, you know, surfing or snowboarding or skiing or whatever he does with those interests. Those are his hobbies or whatever. And those are going to be different from some of my interests. And I'll I'll spend time with different people uh, pursuing other interests or just spend time by myself pursuing my own interests. But where we overlap, we'll share those interests together. Yeah. So who
1: makes you feel the best? That's where you need to focus your energy because he... Talked about the grass is always greener. And I just thought if I had someone who was trying to be my friend, knowing that they were trying to upgrade their friends, I wouldn't want to be their friend. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, don't worry about upgrading your friends. If you're worried about that, then you've got to refocus that mindset. Um, yeah. it, it, and not only that, like you're going to have... I mean, that's the the surfing example. Channel like surfing. You're, yeah, channel surfing.
0: Like you're always... <laughs> <laughs> they can't hear you they can't hear me doing c- the fake remote control fake remote control podcast.
1: Podcast. yeah I mean it's it's the channel surfing thing um, you're always going to find something better on TV and uh, you know when I would get you know uh, into channel surfing I would start with you know this show and then commercial break and I flipped to something else then that would have a commercial break flip to something and eventually I'd come back to what I started watching in the first place and you've
0: missed 10 minutes <laughs> of <laughs> missed it missed
1: 10 minutes of it yeah so uh, you, you, I would highly recommend that no one perpetuates that channel surfing mentality. Find the channel you're happy with and stick with Just it. Just stick with it, yeah. If you've got friends that make you feel good, stick with those friends.
0: Um, if you're it, on an infomercial, change the channel. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, so uh, to continue a different metaphor, is, yeah, sometimes the grass is greener, but worry about your, your grass yeah. first. Yeah. Abigail says, what kind of tiny homes were featured in your documentary? How can I get one? Well, if you act now, <laughs> we can give you ten percent off. Oh my goodness! I don't. Are there tiny home brands? Ah, uh, there might be. I don't know. So, so there are quite a few different types of living spaces in our documentary. Mm-hmm. Uh, everywhere from Joshua Becker and his family's house in the suburbs of of Phoenix, uh, they they live in a uh, a nice but not oversized home, but it's a mm. sort of regular home in the suburbs. that but it's probably tiny for some suburban homes. I mean, the average house built last year was 4,300 square feet. Oh, wow. And uh, they continue to get larger somehow. And uh, we're not using that space as, as pointed out in the documentary. And so he figured out what was enough for him and, and his family in, in Arizona. And then we have... Uh, tiny houses. Like the the smallest house in there was Tammy Strobel's tiny home. I think it was 180 square feet. I yeah. mean, it's a tiny house. Yeah. Uh, her and her husband Logan live there, and that's what's enough for them. We also have Frank, the minimalist architect, who lives in a 700 square foot home, and it's beautiful. And he mm-hmm. designed it himself. He also uh, designed the two houses adjacent to that house. So they all he has three houses on his property because his house is so small he was able to have one to rent out to some uh, grad students while he's there. and uh, he also has a second house for his wife. He and his wife have separate houses and they both li- and, and their houses are, are joined by this outdoor wildlife sanctuary. It's like an outdoor hallway because it's in Tucson, so you can have an outdoor hallway and it's beautiful and it works for their life. That's what's enough for them. We had Graham Hill in there who has a micro apartment, 400 square feet, that sleeps seven, I believe. Had enough space, dinner for 12, home office, home movie theater, all in 400 yeah. square feet because everything's module. And then uh, w- of course we had Jacqueline uh, and uh, David Friedlander, their uh, 500 square foot apartment in Brooklyn for uh, them and their, their two kids. And uh, that's what was appropriate for them, 500 square feet. And there were some different modifications to that as well, some Murphy beds and and some multifunctional spaces. And so, um, oh, and one other person, the person I would encourage Abigail to reach out to is Jay Alston. Jay Alston runs uh, a tiny house uh, company, uh, and uh, he's the person I would encourage you to reach out to. So Jay Alston, find him online. Yeah. Rand says, do you ever see any benefit from stockpiling certain items? <laughs> For example, my fa- well, don't you think? Uh, so let me, I'll just continue this question. For example, my family prefers a certain toothpaste, mm. and it is only available at a few locations. Doesn't it make more sense to buy a lot so you don't need to make multiple trips to the store? I mean, we're all stockpiling something. Right, let me t- let me talk about the things I stockpile. Yeah. Toilet paper. Ooh, do you have more than one square? Yes. I, I, perso- I stockpile. I go to the store and buy one square at a time only when I need it.
1: Man, you're always one up me, Millie. <laughs> uh, I, I stockpile floss. I have probably five containers of floss right now. Uh huh. Um, the reason being is I can't. The brand of floss I use cannot get it anywhere in Missoula. Uh huh. So I order it online. He uses horsehair floss. <laughs> yes, exactly. No, it's I don't even it's know. Elegant. I'm, it's gold plated. I'd, like, I'd have to like. I'd have to look. I don't even know what the exact brand is, but it doesn't matter. My point is, is it makes sense for me to have five things of floss because when I, as soon as I get down to that last one, uh-huh. I'll order a few more. I don't think I have five. I probably have like three right now. It doesn't really matter. But yeah. my point is, you can is have 10. How so far? Cool. Yeah. How far away is the store? Yeah. Like if the store is twenty minutes away and you got to go to that store regularly anyway, then do you need to have 20 tubes of toothpaste? I mean, this is... The semantics... I really get lost in semantics sometimes with this because there isn't the right amount of number for anyone to have,
0: uh, uh, you know... a certain amount of toothpaste, certain amount of tubes of toothpaste. See, I don't even use a whole tube of toothpaste. I go to the store and I buy one nurdle of toothpaste. <laughs> Do you know that's what it's called? The the little strip that you put on on the uh, toothbrush. Like a uh, on, on, No, no, no. On, <laughs> you put it on, on the toothbrush. It's a nurdle. I pay them a quarter for one nurdle. <laughs> you're getting ripped off. Every man. time. <laughs> yeah, but I don't have to store it, man. I'm not stockpiling. Yeah. Nothing. No, I, I agree with you, Ryan. I, I think the two questions I ask myself is can I afford it? Like if you're buying five things of toothpaste or paper towels or whatever, you know, can I afford the, the, the price? And usually the answer to that is yes. If it's something that's a simple consumable, like buying in bulk is usually cheaper, but then also can I afford the space it takes up? Yeah. I'm not gonna have a pallet of toilet paper or a pallet right. of toothpaste because there is a point, and I don't know if it's at four or five tubes of toothpaste or 10, but at some point for you, there's gonna be a weird line. It's before you get to the pallet of toothpaste. Mm. That's obviously too much. You're not gonna have a pallet of toothpaste in the middle of your living room, right? <laughs> that's real stockpiling. I mean, that's what Sam's does. I, I Sam's is the store, right? The I guess South Costco. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. I've never been to a Costco or a Sam's, but I uh, I still buy things in bulk. I buy toilet paper and 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 toothpaste and paper towels. Like I'll buy you know th- three tubes of toothpaste or whatever at a time because I don't like going back all the time. I think I have six tubes of. Uh, Uh, A chapstick that I always have uh, uh, some in my pocket. (laughs) I have some um, in my car. I have some in my bag. And so I probably have, I don't know, four or five, maybe even six. I keep a a tube in my junk drawer. I keep one in the nightstand by the bed. You're always using it. I, I use it quite frequently. And so... Here's the thing. Am I going to use it as the next thing? Is it truly a just for win item or am I going to, I better buy a bulk of these just in case? So you yeah. talked about the t shirt thing. You're like, right. you could have afforded to buy a 100 t shirts. Sure. Uh, if not, you could just put it on your credit card. Right. And, and But you can't afford the space it's going to take up in your home or in the back of your mind, too. You yeah. have to think about that cost.
1: Yeah. So don't focus on the number of items. Like, Josh and I always talk about this. Like, there isn't ever going to be. A perfect amount of item for anyone focus on what makes sense for you and your family if you live in the middle of nowhere montana and the only place you can get your tubes of toothpaste are an hour and a half drive away because that's where uh you know the store is first off i'd say order it online uh yeah. don't drive an hour and a half away um but but yeah i mean to each their own on when it comes to that you know exactly whether it is a just in case or a just for when with the floss with the chaff stick with the tooth toothpaste with toilet paper with paper towels, like they're all just for women. Those things are going to get, uh, they're going to get used up. Um, so yes, like there is a balance between having one square of toilet paper mm. or one nurdle of toothpaste right. uh, versus a pallet of toothpaste.
0: And you know what? It's somewhere between the two.
1: Yeah. Although I would argue, if you've got like a ten thousand square foot garage, you could probably do something better with that space than a pallet of toothpaste. <laughs>
0: yes. <laughs> yeah. Unless you are selling toothpaste. If that's your business. Right. Unless you, Yeah.
1: So our advice to you is get in the toothpaste business. Next question.
0: <laughs> All right. Clark says, hey, guys, you ever thought about getting into the toothpaste business? <laughs> <laughs> Clark says, hey, guys, it's a real pleasure to see you live. Well, it's a real pleasure to be seen, Clark. Thank you. I have, uh, I'm having a crisis of purpose at the moment and was wondering if you had any advice. Mm. Do I need a purpose to live a meaningful life? What action can I take to help me find one? Mm. Uh oh no, actually he said, ooh, okay, this changes the whole question. Oh, okay. What action can I take to help me find it? Oh. What is my purpose in life? Man, this is
1: um this is something I struggle with a lot. And I'll tell you what I've the conclusion I've come to. What's his name? Clark. Clark, let me tell you the the the, the conclusion I have come to is There is no it there is no one specific purpose what i'm doing right now feels very purposeful and uh you know making the documentary recording this podcast going out on the road it all feels very uh purposeful which i do think yes uh for me to live a meaningful life i do have to have some purpose but it doesn't mean that i have to be ryan nicodemus one half of the minimalists to have a purpose in my life. Yeah. Uh, you don't have to
0: have that identity.
1: Right. There, There is no – you weren't – I wasn't born to be one half of the minimalists. Uh-huh. Um, I wasn't born to be a snowboarder, obviously. <laughs> 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 I was – or a, I should say a professional snowboarder. Right. Um, but but regardless, what I'm getting at is, is sometimes the purpose in life is a very grand thing. Sometimes you're – you know, you are going out and contributing – uh in this amazing way, I mean, uh, for me to think that, you know, Josh and I have this opportunity to contribute to millions of people uh, via the platforms that we have is is very humbling and it is an honor and it does feel very purposeful. But, you know, I- I'll tell you, um, my grandmother right now, 83 years old, uh, she her health is deteriorating mm. and I might have to take uh, a few months break uh, in the next couple of years to Go take care of her if not if none of my other family members can. Yeah. And at that point, that's going to be my purpose, yeah. and uh, that that will you know not take me away 100 from what uh, from what I'm doing now, but it certainly um, will uh, dilute, I guess my my uh, the time that I spend. What I'm getting at is is that your purpose, Clark, it could be taking care of your 83 year old grandmother. It could be going to the soup kitchen once a month. Uh, to help people eat, it could be uh, volunteering your time at Habitat for Humanity uh, once every quarter uh, to help a family, a poor family uh, an, uh, who hasn't, who's had some misfortune, to build them a home. Whatever it is, it doesn't have to be this grand. I'm going to help millions of people. Just find that one, that one uh, thing that you can contribute towards, and that is what is going to help you feel a purpose. And you know what? Start with uh, Clark. I'm giving you a suggestion right now. Go to the soup kitchen. Start doing that on a regular basis. You're going to start to feel purpose.
0: And from there, you can build off of that. And so what you're saying also there is your purposes will morph over time uh, and mm. certain things will become priority. And yeah. so if, if the word purpose is too sort of lofty for people and, and it, can get, it can be weighted for some people, oh, I feel like this is my purpose in life. Two things. One is, like Ryan said, you, you, aren't, you weren't born to be an astronaut or a yoga teacher or an accountant or, or whatever you don't have a purpose. So it's not about finding it. Yeah. Instead of finding a purpose, maybe find something to focus on. What do you want to focus your time on? What do you want to prioritize? And then can you cultivate that into a passion? And eventually cultivate that passion into a purpose and that could be a multi-step process a multi-year process possibly and in the the process you might find out that thing you thought you were passionate about you were actually just excited about maybe you thought you wanted to be a blogger or and so you started a blog and tried it out but then you found out "Ah, i was just excited about it. i wasn't actually passionate about it it's okay to move on and find something else to focus on Mm -hmm as opposed to sticking it out just for the sake of sticking it out. And so find something that's worth focusing on. And the way to do that is figure out what your values are and align your short-term actions with those long-term values. And part of that is hopefully going to be contribution. That's going to be one of your values. And one way to fulfill that right away is to understand other perspectives. A soup kitchen is a great way to do that. If you don't have a soup kitchen, you probably have a food bank locally. If you don't have a food bank locally, you probably have some sort of other nonprofit. That's willing to take volunteers so you can see how other people live and enjoy and appreciate their perspectives for what yeah. they are.
1: Yeah, stop putting pressure on yourself to find it. Just find one thing that you can you can work towards.
0: Sean, let's do one more question in a second. I'm going to read Gene's uh, question. We are over, we're, we're approaching the two-hour mark, not, oh, wow. not too far from here. We're an hour and a half in plus. So Gene uh, says, I find value in all the work you share and love your writing. I love writing. And want to do a bit more of it, but I struggle with two things. The first is making my writing more clear. I struggle with being succinct without compromising my message. OK? Uh, and second, I love myself and still care too much about what others think. Ooh, that's good. I know this comes from wanting to feel safe because I grew up feeling very unsafe, but I don't want to let the social media trolls stop me from using my voice anymore. I'd love to hear your suggestions. So, Ryan, that second question, we'll, we'll talk about the trolls thing. In terms of making your writing more clear, uh, two things, Gene. One is I'll, I'll just give you a free, uh, I'm doing, I do a, a workshop two or three times a year. Um, it's a one-day workshop. It's actually just two hours. Sometimes it goes longer than two hours. I try to keep it to two hours. It's called How to Write Better. Uh, it's a, a distilled-down version of a four-week class that I teach called How to Write Better. You can find the details of that at howtowritebetter.org. But Gene, I don't want to sell you anything. So I'm going to give you that, that one-day workshop, and it'll help you get a bit more clear on the writing process. And I, I break it into four different chunks. Uh, a quick tip for you, though, is when in doubt, delete uh, a few things that I do all the time is, so if you go back and we just published an essay called uh, Nostalgia is Dangerous. It was something I wrote about being back in Dayton, my hometown, recently. And that thing was much longer. It was probably 2,000 words before it reached its current four or 500 word uh, uh State you know, published state, so just because something's two thousand words doesn't mean it's two thousand publishable words right and I think that's minimalism is the perfect metaphor for that right mm. it's like it's about just because something is ownable doesn't mean it's worth owning, yeah, just because you've written something doesn't mean it's worth publishing you got to get the stuff onto the page. But then delete, 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 call, call, call. The thing that I, uh, I call it is, is narrative urgency. The first sentence has to serve the sec- second sentence of any piece that you write. But the second sentence job is a little bit different. It has to serve the third sentence. So forth and so on. And if there's anything else, even if it's a great sentence, it's gratuitous if it doesn't serve the narrative urgency of, of what you're writing. And in terms of putting yourself out there, she said, I love myself... What was the line? This was. It almost seemed. Uh, it seemed profound at first, but then I think it almost is contradictory. Uh, uh, the statement itself is self contradictory. Uh, she said, And second, I love myself and still care too much about what others think."
1: Yeah. Um, man, if you care too much about what other people think, you will stay stagnant. Um, dude, I would love to sit here and say that everyone loves the minimalists and <laughs> yeah, when don't no want- one, no one ever gives us, gives us any crap. And I'll tell you in the beginning when people would, you know, you're not a minimalist because you've got a pair of jeans or whatever, man, you're yeah. not a minimalist because whatever, whatever their, where's your loincloth, whatever their insult is. I would, I would always feel like I had to respond in some way. And I'll tell you, well, now I'm at a point I can't respond to every single person. Period. Whether it's a compliment or whether it's an insult, yeah. So I don't have time for it. But the other thing, you'd have to
0: h- hire a whole team of people to respond to insults. Yes,
1: and then you know the other thing too is people who throw insults, like they're not even in the arena. Mm. Like they're not, they're not, they're not even in there fighting with us. Like or they're not even in there to see the show. Yeah. Like they're 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 like they're like uh A protester on the outside of, uh, you know, to continue the metaphor, like uh, a a minimalist event that we have, like they're outside protesting it, essentially. Like they're not they're not adding any value and there's nothing of um, there's no helpful criticism that haters give. It (laughs) is. It's simply I mean, I had someone tweet us the other day. Oh, it's certainly easy for. Uh, or or what did did she say? Notice how these minimalists, and she named off some names, you and I included. Notice how they all had, uh, you know, very well paying jobs and they saved all their money, uh, before they quit their jobs. It's certainly easy to give up everything, uh, when you have a bunch of money saved up. And you know what that tells me is like she doesn't, she's never read or listened to anything we've ever done. Right. Um, I, I did not have, uh, it, hardly anything saved. I mean, I had. You, you still know, had that when you left. Yeah, the dude, I had four or five months uh, of, of bills saved up, uh, maybe six months. And yeah, at the end of the day, like, she's making a lot of assumptions that aren't true so she can justify the insecurity that she's feeling inside of herself and then projecting that towards us. Yeah. And at the end of the day, like, to me, I wish her the best of luck in life, but I don't have to respond to her, nor do I even have to let her criticism um, affect me at all. So I guess, like a simpler way put, um, there's always going to be haters, and the more you write and the more you put yourself out there, the more people are going to love you, and the more people are going to hate you. Yeah, it's it's the nature of the world. If there was uh, something you could write that appealed to everyone, well, then it's I guarantee you it's not going to be very interesting. It's going to be a vanilla uh, version of writing that's going to appeal to as many masses as possible, and you know what? I love vanilla flavored ice cream, but it certainly isn't my favorite uh, flavor of ice cream. No
0: one's raving over the vanilla that that is uh, at the local you know, yeah, deli so or whatever.
1: So I guess you know um, another point is like if you're not if everyone likes you, something's wrong.
0: Yeah, the, uh, I just finished uh, a book called Black Privilege by by Charlemagne the God, um, and uh, it's a really good book, especially the the audiobook version. So I I, I was reading it and I got about halfway through and. Uh, it's written colloquially, and it's, very, it's written very auditorily. And so I listened to the audiobook, and he read the audiobook, and it was so good. But he talks about the rule of 10. Uh, when he got on the radio, he realized that uh, he was spending way too much time trying to uh, convince the haters that they shouldn't hate him. Mm. He said, but no matter what, if you have 10 people listening to you, three of them are going to love you. Three of them are going to hate you and four of them are going to be on the fence. He said, I was spending all my time trying to get the people who love me to keep loving me and trying to get the people who hated me to stop hating me and change their mind, when really it's the four people on the fence where it's like, let me see if I can add value to them. Mm. Let me see if I can help them better understand. And if they're a little bit on the fence, that's great. But yeah, you're going to get, you're going to get that criticism. And I try to delineate criticism from feedback. Mm. I, I, I seek out feedback. It helps my my writing get better. It helps me uh, develop as a podcaster or on video or whatever else. Uh, speaking live, like we do on tour, that's terrifying to speak in front of a thousand people on a stage. But uh, I, and I will accept whatever feedback I get because it's going to make it better next time that I do it. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, that's stuff that I seek out the the critics. They're seagulls. They've fly overhead, they shit on you and they fly away. I don't get any value from that whatsoever. And so I just ignore it. I don't respond. Go back and listen to our critics episode of the podcast. Um, It was, uh, it's one of my favorites. We went and read a bunch of mean tweets that people sent us about the documentary and other stuff and just about us and our hair and everything else. And so if you haven't listened to that, it's back in the feed uh, a while ago. It's called critics. We also did an episode on criticism specifically. You can go back and listen to those I'm out of questions here, but Sean, do we have one more from the live feed, Uh, the folks who turned in their homework late?
1: Yes, we do. This one's from Betty.
0: All right, Betty.
1: Betty says, uh, my husband has a few goals that he states are important to him. Unfortunately, he's not any closer to achieving them than he was one to two years ago. Mm -hmm. His free time is spent on doing other things that bring him joy, and it seems
0: apparent that his goals are not a priority. I would love to see him reach his goals, if that is what he really wishes, or support him in letting them go. That's the better path. I'm not sure how to broach the subject with him. What are mm. your thoughts on
1: that? Yeah, I, if it was me, I would just say, "Hey, uh, I'd pick the going back to the question we had earlier with um, uh, what were the I forget her name, but her dad has a ton of stuff and works a lot, and it's going picking that one thing that you want to help him with." Right. So, you know, if if his goal is being a costume designer, then you go to him and you're like, hey, um, I really want to, you've got so many goals. You're such an ambitious person. I really love that about you. Um, and I really know that you love uh, costume designing and I really want to help you uh, become a, a, a costume designer. Um, I was looking into the community theater here and there's, you know, a role open uh, as an assistant costume. I mean, anything you can do to help that one That one goal. But at the end of the day, um, if they're not taking the help, if they're not taking the action, then, you know, they're just giving those goals or those uh, maybe even priorities lip service. Mm. Yeah. And there's at that point, like there's not um, you can't force someone's hand.
0: Throughout my 20s, I wanted to write a novel. Mm -hmm. I was an aspiring novelist. And it sounds to me like your husband is aspiring a lot but not perspiring enough, not putting in the work the, to achieve the goals. Now, part of that could be paralysis, analysis, right? Analysis, paralysis. <laughs> it, 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 you, just, you see, well, I have seven different goals. Can you imagine if I wanted to write seven books? How how uh, uh, how stuck I would feel because like, well, I haven't even done one. And so like Ryan said, it's about finding that one, the one that really s- stands out. And it may not be, that there is one that definitely stands out. There might be two that stand out. And if that's the case, my advice tends to be you flip a coin. You know, the goal number one is heads. Goal number two is tails. Flip a coin and then have him, before looking at it, say, do you hope it landed on heads or tails? And if you do that, you're, you don't even need to look at the coin at that point. You know what thing you need to pursue. And then put the other stuff on the back burner. They're not real priorities right now because your priorities can change over the years. In fact, they should change over the years, right? It's not still my priority to continue writing everything that remains. <laughs> that thing is done, and it's out there in the world. And I'm really proud of it. It's the absolute best that we could have done given the resources we had. So my priority is different now. And so once you've achieved that one thing that you were focusing on for so long, you can move on to the next thing. You're not going to get everything done today, but you can get everything done over the course of many decades, and so think about it that way. Uh, letting go of of having all these goals, letting go also of the aspiration instead of just aspiring to do the thing, you actually have to do the thing, whatever it is, and it's usually not sexy or fun when you're pursuing the thing there's a, there's an old 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 uh, saying that writers don't like writing, they like having written right and That's so true. I mean, sometimes writing is one of the hardest things in the world. You want to put your head through a wall. You're like, why am I doing this? But you really like when that book is finished and out there and published and other people are getting value from it. And uh, all the way up until then, it's not the most fun thing in the world. And so find one thing. Focus on that. Stop aspiring and start perspiring. Yeah.
1: And just, yeah, just offer your help towards one thing. And... And that's really all you can do. I mean, I'm just trying to think of the things that, you know, when we had those spreadsheets of goals that we had to talk each other out of yeah, um, or talk each other into, whatever it may be. Right. Uh, But we were open to that, you know? So is there a perfect approach? Uh, The only thing that I think is a perfect approach with having someone simplify their life or Fulfilling their goals is is to support them as much as possible.
0: Indeed, yeah, you can be supportive, but not enabling. I mean, yeah. you don't you don't want to enable the bad behaviors. You can help them prioritize when they are asking for help. You know, like I said earlier, you can't help someone who doesn't want help. But when they are asking for help, you you know if they're if they're a drowning person, you can you can be the one to save them by helping them identify what their priorities are, talk them through it, and work on one of those priorities at a time. By the way, that word priority means the first thing so it's by definition impossible to have priorities you can't have the first things you can have the first thing and you focus on that and you move on to the next thing and then the next thing becomes the first thing Mm. so forth and so on we're really grateful that we have uh, a bunch of patrons yeah thanks Uh, so much guys we're going to continue doing more exclusive things on patreon especially once we get over the the thousand patrons uh uh, mark and once we we reach that first objective of 2,000 patrons that's going to give us enough funds to build the studio and uh, start doing a lot more video stuff doing more streaming take live callers on the air i know we couldn't get to all of your questions today but keep tuning in we'll get to as many questions as we possibly can you keep asking them we'll keep answering them and we'll see you on the regular podcast we'll see you all soon on the road this year Look forward to seeing you next time we'll schedule another one of these live sessions as soon as we can like I said we'll, we'll try to do it quarterly mm-hmm. but uh, uh, we'll definitely do it quarterly we'll try to do it more frequently than quarterly a if you're getting value from this so we'd love your feedback below uh, uh, the uh, the live stream on patreon you can uh, patreon you can you can leave your comments there but we would also love uh, to, to do more of these. So that if you're going to continue getting value from us doing this, even monthly or, or biweekly, if people are supporting us here, you have gone out of your way to support us. Keep our podcast 100% advertisement free, and we, we really appreciate that. All right, guys. Thanks so much. Yeah, If you leave here with one message, we hope it's this. Love people and use things, because the opposite never works. Thanks for listening, y'all. See you next time.